Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering of Recreate Church. How are you guys? You all right? You smiling? Sort of? You made it anyway. I've had one of those weeks. Thank you, Ric Flair, in the front row. Uh, you know, um, it seems like lately I've had a lot of weeks that make me so glad when Sunday gets here. I can't speak for anyone but myself, but uh, I'm so glad Sunday's here. So glad to be with you all. So glad to to mingle with God's people because we need this. We need the social support. It's not just a matter of receiving a, a message. We we need the community part too. If you can't make it on a Sunday or something, check out our podcast. You know, we've got a, a hundred episodes on there, I think. Old ones kind of roll off. I think we keep about a hundred and and uh, you can listen to that. Any place you stream audio, you know, if you have like a podcasting app, yeah, but also things like Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, we're on there. Just look us up, Recreate Church. A couple of things going on here. Lord willing, next Sunday we're going to do the Lord's Supper. It's been a while since we've done that. Um, sometimes when we do that, we set up a bunch of tables. We, we won't be doing anything quite that complicated this time, but we will have the Lord's Supper Lord, next week. Lord willing, uh, the week after that, you know what happens the week after that, October 22nd. The sixth anniversary of Recreate Church, which means we beat the odds. Don't you realize most church plants don't make it five years, and we're about to turn six. Ready for first grade. We're ready. We're ready to be in Mr. Feskin's class in first grade. And, yeah, so I'm excited about that. Okay, if the weather is at all cooperative, we will have our church service not here, but at the new pavilion behind the Carter Building. Have you seen that? nice place it's a new farmer's market if the weather's at all cooperative that's where we will be having our services all right we'll have some banners if you forget and you roll in and you're like where is everybody we'll have some signs up that remind you hey we're meeting over behind the uh, carter home so that's going to be a lot of fun if you want to bring a bag chair or something do that we will bring some chairs but they're like the stacking chairs and they won't be as comfortable maybe as something you would like to bring we're going to have a lot of fun that day um, let's see what else uh, trunk or treat trunk or treat October 31st right here I've told you guys last week I'm not super Halloweeny that's just not really my jam but I am super into not in candy I look like I'm super into candy I do look like you know I could see how you would think that it it adds up the math adds up not super into candy but I'm super into uh, letting people know that the Lord loves them and letting kids know that we care about them and Jesus cares about them I'm super into that Okay, thank you. So if you, if you want to come and set up and hand out candy here, that's awesome. If you want to just donate candy, okay, that's okay too. If you just want to donate some candy because there are so many kids. There's like a thousand kids. And again, this is a thousand kids the Lord will bring through our parking lot that we can let them know Jesus cares about them. So yeah, I don't care if it's Halloween or whatever. If we get a chance to tell a thousand kids that Jesus loves them, I'm for it. I'm so for it. So um, one other big thing I want to cover, big prayer need this week. Uh, one of our own, a lot, and a lot of people know him very well, Donnie Easter has surgery this Tuesday. We're going to say a very special prayer for Donnie today. He has brain surgery. Um, Donnie has been, um, you know, he's been battling cancer for over a year now, and uh, so he hasn't been able to really attend services here or get out too much. We're going to pray for him today. Would you join me in prayer? We're going to start out in prayer for Donnie. Heavenly Father, we, we praise you, we love you, we thank you for all that you've done, for who you are, 
for how you love us. You are a God of miracles, and we cry out to you for a miracle today for our dear brother Donnie Easter. He's, God, he, we love him so much. He's such an incredible guy and, and loves you and is clinging to hope in you, and we pray that the surgery on Tuesday will go so remarkably well and that uh, he'll come through it and have a, so much better of a time. Lord, we lift him up to you in Jesus' name. We're asking for miracles. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you guys for praying for Donnie. Donnie's a special guy to a lot of us. So I do need, uh, gosh, I think I'm going to ask my son to come up because he was eyeing this candy corn I had. Come here, Elijah. He's like, what are you going to do with that candy corn, Dad? This is my son. You know, he, he plays drums for us most of the time, but uh, he got a break this week. But I am going to uh, get him to help me with this candy corn. Who likes candy corn? See, it's real divided. Okay, I'm just going to take a poll. Who loves candy corn? Who hates candy corn? Okay. Well, the love and who's kind of indifferent towards candy corn? There's a lot of indifference. Candy corn is like, it's better than the, look, man, I'm just going to say, when I was a kid and we went out trick-or-treating, they, I know the economy's a little rough right now, but people seem to give out better candy than they did back in the day. Those weird peanut butter things and the black and orange, remember those? Like you save those for last I'm kind of like that with candy corn. I'll have a little candy corn. But, okay, here's what I would like you to do, son. Um, let me see your hand. You got some big, you got some big strong hands. Are those kind of clean? They're clean, he says. What I want you to do is put your hand inside this and try to get all of this candy corn in your hand and pull it out. No, you hold the other side of the thing there. Get all of the can No, get, like, all the candy corn. Stick your hand all the way in. Get all the candy corn in one handful. Uh, while I tell these folks a story. Um, <clears throat> it is, I have read that in South Asia there are hunters who will find a hollow gourd. Try to get it all. Will find a hollow gourd. Try to get a hollow gourd. They'll get a hollow gourd and they'll drill a hole in the gourd. And inside the gourd they will place things like little fruits and nuts and seeds that monkeys like. And that hole is just the size that a monkey can get their hand inside. But once they grab the treat, they can't... They can't pull their hand out. Try to, can you, you struggling? They can't get their hand out. So, um, no, you got to get all of it. Um, so they can't get their hand out. Now the monkey, monkey only has to let go of the treat in order to get their hand out, but they won't do it. And so they're trapped. And uh, they refuse, they are trapped by what they refuse to release. So with that, let's have a hand for my lovely assistant, Elijah. And all that candy corn is yours. Go for it. So I just want to start by saying the, the things we refuse to release will make a monkey of us. And we know that. But it's harder than that, isn't it? When it's something you've been counting on, something you've been leaning on, something that you've been clinging to, something that is, that is how you cope with the world, letting that go, ooh, that's hard. So in Mark's record of the life of Jesus, we come to the story of a man who's having to let go of something that was the most crucial thing he had. He's going to let it go. We're going to see that he's going to let it go, and that freedom is found when we learn to let go. We're in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Uh, we've been following Jesus as they make their way from Galilee in the north to Jerusalem, kind of in the center of the country. 
And the other Gospels add some details about other places they stopped. But Mark gives a very short version of the trip. And they are going to Jerusalem for a purpose that is to celebrate Passover, which was the most important religious holiday of the Jews. Jesus is going to do something else while he's there. His most important act. This is when he is going to offer himself for the sins of the world. In about a week from this story, give or take, Jesus will be nailed to a Roman cross. He will die. He will be buried. And he will rise again, defeating the devil, death, hell, and the grave. That's where the amen goes. Oh, God, I'm going to try that again. That's where the amen goes. Woo! That's good. That's good stuff. Defeating death, hell, and the grave. I'm up here dropping stuff and distracting you guys from your amen opportunities. My bad. So uh, nearly everyone making their way to Jerusalem from the north and from the east would go through one city right before they came. That was Jerusalem. They would go through Jerusalem. Uh, Not Jerusalem. They would go through Jericho to get to Jerusalem. Excuse me. So all these thousands of people are streaming through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. The distance between Jericho and Jerusalem is about 14 miles, which is about the same distance as from here to downtown Galax, if that kind of gives you an idea. So thousands upon thousands of people are passing through Jericho, religious pilgrims. And that's good for Jericho, right? Lots of people are passing through. It's good for the economy in Jericho. And it's, it's good for all the folks who are waiting along the side of the road. There's lots of beggars out on the side of the road uh, near Jericho at this time. Now, Jewish tradition placed a heavy emphasis on giving to the needy. And with so many people passing through Jericho, it was a, a good time to receive some help. Most of the folks who were begging for a living in those days had some serious physical ailment, some very serious uh, disability that they could not possibly work in any way there were very little economic opportunities for for people who had any physical ailment and uh, there were no social support programs there wasn't much that people could lean on unless they had wealthy family members or someone who could take care of them a lot of people ended up the only way they could provide for themselves was to depend on the charity of others so this was thankfully an easier time to receive some help. So Jesus is passing between the old and the new sections of Jericho. And one beggar from the many began to cry out. His name was Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus was blind. We don't know how he got in that condition. We don't know if he was born blind or if something happened. We do know that in the ancient world it was very easy to get some kind of a contaminant or injury to your eye. And there was almost no treatment for anything like that. There was... Medical technology was very rudimentary at the time. And it's estimated by historians that about one out of every five people would be blind before they passed. What could you imagine? One out of every five. That's, it's hard for us to understand that. We don't know his backstory. Uh, we don't know how he got on the side of the road at Jericho. But we know he was there and we know he met Jesus. So let's, let's hear a little bit about that story. Starting at verse 46, I'll read a little bit and I'm going to pray for us. Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. 
And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Does that sound familiar? We just sung that. Yeah, that was on purpose. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out more and more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Let's stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, we, we cry out to the Son of David that he might have mercy on us. Lord, that he might help us and that he might help us learn to let go of anything that stops us from pursuing you and finding help and hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Bartimaeus, he hears people shouting that Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. Jesus of Nazareth. You ever stopped and wondered why they always tag that of Nazareth bit on there? You stop, well, we just kind of take it for granted. We've been reading the Bible a long time. Oh, Jesus of Nazareth. Well, we know he was Nazareth, but, you know, people don't call you, you know, by your name, Rosa of Hillsville most of the time. You know, they don't do that. So why did they do that then? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, Number one, Jesus was a very common name in the world at that time. And there were lots of Jesuses around. Only the one Jesus that, that we're believing in is the Son of God. But there were other people named, named Jesus. And uh, they didn't have last names. Sometimes we're called, you know, he, maybe the son of. You know, we have Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. And Bartimaeus literally means son of Timaeus. But they, I guess they could have called him Jesus, son of Joseph. But that was his, his adoptive father. But we're going to see something different here. Um, they didn't have last names. Uh, Christ isn't Jesus's last name, by the way. Christ is his title. That's not his last name. He's the Messiah. That's what it means. And um, so they didn't have like photography at the time. So you couldn't take a picture and, and share it on social media or text it to someone. And that wouldn't have helped Bartimaeus anyway because he's blind. He can't see. So they would they would help uh, maybe tell him apart by saying, oh, this is Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus of Jericho or Jesus of Jerusalem. He's Jesus of Nazareth. The name Jesus is equivalent to the Old Testament name Joshua. It would have been pronounced Yeshua or something close to that. And, uh, you know, he's called Jesus of Nazareth. We, we actually have two Joshuas here today. We have uh, Joshua of Fairview and Joshua of Hillsville. But they also have some other names that will help you differentiate them. So Jesus of Nazareth was passing through Jericho, passing the outskirts of Jericho. Bartimaeus hears it's Jesus of Nazareth, and he cries out to him. But what did he call him? Verse 47, did he call him Jesus of Nazareth? What did he call him? Jesus, son of David. That's important. Very, very important. All the Jewish kids growing up were taught that someday the Messiah would come. The anointed Savior sent from God. The Christ, that's what it means. Messiah and Christ mean the same thing. And everybody knew that the Messiah was supposed to come from the line of David. And one of the titles for the Messiah was Son of David. So when Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, Son of David, he was doing something that the crowd, most of the crowd, and virtually all of the religious leaders did not. He was recognizing Jesus as the Savior sent from God. Not just some guy from Nazareth, but the Son of God. He was boldly and openly, openly recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. The crowd acknowledged the place of Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. Bartimaeus acknowledged the purpose of Jesus. Jesus 
son of David. Most of the world gives Jesus a place. Most of the world who doesn't believe in Jesus say, ah, Jesus, yeah, he was all right. You know, he had some good stuff going there. He was, you know, we'll put him up there with uh, some of these other guys. You know, he's like Buddha or Confucius or, you know, insert religious leader here. He's, he's way up there. He's a good guy. We like him. <coughs> but they stop short of the truth. Jesus was so much more than a good man or a great teacher. Jesus is the son of God. God in human flesh, he is the son of David, the Messiah sent from God. The crowd knew where Jesus was from. crowd knew where Jesus came from. Bartimaeus knew what Jesus came for. That sets him apart. And he was excited, y'all. I got to love his excitement. He's shouting so loud that this crowd of people is telling him to hush. Listen, if you understand who Jesus really is, you're going to get excited about it. I realize excitement is shown in different ways, okay? Some people are like, woo, excited. And then some people are just, are like quietly excited. My dad's one of the quietly excited. I mean, I can just tell the excitement on his face right now. You can't see it from the outside because he's an oak. You just see the rough bark. But on the inside, he's excited. (laughs) So he's, yeah, he can still probably whoop me. Um, probably I'm not going to find out I think I could still outrun him I think I think we'll find out not everyone shows their excitement in the same way but let me tell you this if you really know who Jesus is you will be excited about him and if you don't feel some excitement about Jesus then stop and take some time and get to know him okay get to know him I'm not down in you hey maybe you're walking in here and you don't know what you believe yet that's okay We're good people to hang out with if you don't know what you believe yet. That's really okay. Because we're going to love you anyway. We we say that no matter your story, you're welcome, you're wanted, and you're loved. That's fine. I don't care what if you come in atheist, Muslim, whatever. I don't care. Come hang out with us as long as you're here to listen and, you know, and be a part of this in a positive way. Now, we'll warn you, this Jesus stuff's going to rub off on you. Because we're going to try to live it as best we can. And we're hoping it'll, you know, we want everybody to find hope in Jesus. Listen, he, he is so excited, and, and all these people who claim to follow Jesus are telling him, can you just be quiet for a minute? Just chill. Uh, please understand that if you're really excited about Jesus, even some of the people who claim to follow Jesus won't get it. They won't get it. They won't understand why you're so into, into Jesus. But our prayer is that every single person will make a life-giving connection to Jesus and will discover the joy and excitement that's found in him. So the crowd told Bartimaeus to be quiet. He just shouted all the more. Jesus hears him. Verse 49, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise. He is calling you. You ever wonder if God has time for you? Cares about your problems? He's got this whole wide world to run. Why would he care about your daily struggles? Why would he care that you cannot find your keys? Why would he care that you've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow you don't know how it's going to go. Why would he care that you've got a key relationship in your life that is in bad shape? Why would he care? Well, he does. Understand this. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to do, do the most important thing that was ever going to happen in the history of the world. He was going on a mission to save the entire world. And he stopped and made time for a blind beggar on the side of the road. He will make time for you. Jesus hears and Jesus helps. He cares about you. 
He heard Bartimaeus over the chaos of the crowd, and he hears you over the chaos of this world. He cares. He is listening. Don't ever think that he does not have time for you because he's got all the time in the world for you. So let's see what happens next. This gets a little interesting. Verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. All right, did you catch the important bit there? Did you catch the important part? Which, which important part? He came to Jesus. That's good, right? What was the other thing he did? He threw his garment aside. Oh, my. Okay, I've mentioned before from this platform and in other venues that we do have a very simple dress code for Recreate Church in our gatherings. Uh, you are not expected to dress up. You're not expected to be fancy. You just come in what you've got. But there is a dress code. It is two words, wear clothes. I should probably, and wear enough of them. I kind of think that's implied, but wear clothes. Now, it sort of looks like our dear friend Bartimaeus is violating the dress code here. Okay. Take a breath. Take a breath. He is not. In that time and culture, people wore a long robe, a long woolen robe that would reach to the ground. That was their outer garment. And under that, they would wear like a tunic of lighter material, like linen material. So uh, he was certainly he was certainly clothed. He was maybe not clothed enough to make everyone around him comfortable. Like probably everybody has got a a kind of a hairy, sweaty uncle who doesn't mind wearing like one undershirt in public. I, I think I've been that uncle uh, before. So it's like he's clothed, but maybe not clothed enough to make everybody super comfortable. Okay. So he's he is clothed. It's okay. In our culture, cloth, clothing is expensive, correct? You ever done any back-to-school shopping for kids? Oh, my goodness. It's not getting better. Clothing is expensive, uh, clothing is valuable, but we really don't have any good comparison for what people, uh, how people viewed clothing in this time and culture. See, all fabric was handmade, so all fabric was incredibly expensive. Even normal, everyday clothes that everyday people would wear, not fancy stuff, everyday clothes, normal clothes were very expensive to the point that the average person had the clothes they were wearing and maybe one more set to wear, wear while this one's being washed. It was that valuable. Poorer people only had the literally the shirt on their back or the, the coat on their back. Clothing, that outer cloak was so valuable that people in this time would use it as collateral when they took out a loan. I bet you got a nice coat in your closet. But have you got one that you could use as collateral on a loan? I, I don't. I don't. Maybe some of y'all got some like mink clothing or something from back in the day. I don't have no idea. But this is all he's got. And for the poorest of people who had no home, that coat was their shelter too. They would kind of camp under it. And we're going to see Bartimaeus is camping under his coat here. They would take that coat off and... I don't know if they would exactly make a tent out of it, but that was their bed, that was their roof, that was their pillow, that's all they had. It was literally his home and the only thing that he had to his name. So with all that in mind, we see this man throwing aside the only thing he has 
materially in the world. What if it gets stolen? What if it gets ruined? What He's blind. What if he doesn't get healed and he comes back and he can't find it by groping around? Why would he leave something behind that he has been so utterly dependent on? Why would he let it go? Let me tell you about this outer road. I said it was long. It would, would pretty much touch the ground or come very close. In order to, uh, and we see this in the scriptures lots of times, in, in order to do anything physical, physical activity, they would, they would take the hem of the robe and kind of pull it up and like stuff it into their belt, like tie their belt around it. You've seen um, uh, places in the scriptures where it talks about girding up your loins or something or preparing yourself. That's, that's what, it was, what was going on for the most part. They were taking that long flowing hem and tucking it into their belt and kind of tying it off and sort of making some shorts out of it, kind of, sort of, and that would keep them from tripping over it, Right. And we see some places in the scriptures where someone who's doing something particularly physical, like uh, there's uh, at least one place in the scriptures and the gospels where they're fishing, the disciples are fishing on the boat, and we see that, that uh, Peter has laid aside his outer garment and he's in his tunic. So if you're doing something very physical, all this fabric would encumber you. Now, just imagine for a moment, it's a crowded road and you are blind, and this, you're already going to have trouble with tripping so he, he is wearing this, and he's going to lay it aside. Um, now, when Jesus passed by, the wording suggests that he's on the ground and he's covered up in his, in his outer garment. Okay. I picture it like this. I picture it as being like a Snuggie. You, know, you remember those? A Snuggie. It's like a blanket with arms. But somehow no one ever quite figured out that this is literally just a bathrobe turned backwards. It's a bathrobe turned backwards. It's a Snuggie, and they, they sold millions, I guess. So he's like camped out under his Snuggie. And um, when Jesus calls, Bartimaeus tosses the Snuggie aside. Why? He, Jesus was calling, that's why. He didn't want to take the time to put that on. You know, what if the crowd closed in and he didn't get to go to Jesus? And, and even if he had put it on, all this fabric could trip him up. It would slow him down and hold him back from getting to Jesus. Anything that would hold him back from getting to Jesus would have to be let go, even if it was the most essential thing that he had. There's freedom in letting go. Now, here's, we've gotten where we were going. This is where we've been going the whole time, and now we've got here. Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to be closer to him, calling you to trust him, Calling you to miracles, calling you to freedom. So what are you holding on to that you cannot let go that is holding you back from Jesus? What is that? What are you holding on to? For Bartimaeus, it could have been a, a material thing. Now for him, it's the only, only thing he had. And let me, let me say this. Whether you have, you can have a lot of money and money's the thing that trips you up. You can have a little money, and money's the thing that trips you up. These things, good things that are blessings from God, like, like money, like stuff, like houses, like land, those are good things. Those are blessings. But whatever gets between you and God is a problem. Billy spoke a couple of weeks ago about the rich young ruler, and Jesus told him something he didn't tell everybody else. He told this rich young man, say, hey, you need to give away everything you've got, because that's what was between him 
and his God. He didn't say that to everybody, but that's what was between him and God. Are you, what are you holding on to? Are you holding on to your own morality? Are you holding on to the idea that you're already a pretty good, decent person anyway? And you don't especially need God's help or God's redemption because ah, you're pretty good. Let me tell you this. There's nobody who measures up. If we want to get into heaven based on our good score, nobody makes the score. It can't be. It can't be done that way. Don't hold on to that. Let go of that idea and come running. Some people miss heaven because they think they're already fit for it when they don't realize we all can only come through Jesus. Okay, it gets heavier. Are there there habits or addictions that have a hold on you? Things that you're like, hey, I want to come to Jesus and all that, but I got to get straightened out first. I got to fix myself first. I got to clean myself up first. I got to sober up first. Let me tell you, God is not waiting on you to get free and get sober. He is ready to help you right now. And with him on your side, freedom and sobriety and things like that are possible. Don't wait and say, I got to clean myself up. I used to, hey, I used to minister in a small community. And you're like, a smaller than this? Yep. Smaller than this community. And I used to talk to some of these old timers that sat around on the porches out in Medizadan. And I would say, hey, when are you going to come to church? And they're like, ah, oh, if I come in there, the roof will fall in. I said, buddy, come on. He said, I'm too big of a sinner. Well, come on in. There's room for another sinner under this roof. And I checked the roof. It would not fall in. Um, it has burned down now and they've built an even stronger roof so I can say it's not uh, you know there was a terrible fire there several years ago and they've built it back even better and uh, listen God's not waiting for you to clean up or straighten up before you come to him he's ready right here right now and I don't know how you're going to get cleaned up and straightened up until you've got the Lord in your life hey we're ready to love you messed up and everything you think we're not messed up See that person sitting beside you that looks like they got it all together? They're a hot mess, just like you. Hope I didn't hurt anybody's feelings right now, but it's a fact. A hot mess. They're a hot mess. What are you holding on to? All right. Do you have, do you have fears and worries that you're holding on to that's between you and God? Fears, worries, anxieties. You're going to say, ah, okay, yeah, I hear you, preacher. But if I don't worry about this... Who will? If I don't keep my hand right on this thing, what if something happens? You got to understand, preacher, nobody else cares about this thing like I do. And if I don't, something bad will happen. Look, I remember there was a time in my spiritual life when I was very young in the faith where I used to always worry that I was going to forget somebody off my prayer list. Like, oh my gosh, I just forgot so-and-so. Something's going to happen to him. I just know that. And that was my anxiety. And the Lord really had to work on me with that it's like i was forgetting somebody oh no something terrible is going to happen but look those anxieties those things that you're afraid to let go of run up to the feet of jesus and drop them at his feet he can hold on to them a lot better than you can maybe there's some things in the past that have got you chained up things that you did or things that were done to you And let me be very clear and say, there were probably some things that were done to you that were very, very wrong. I acknowledge that. But I don't want you to be chained to that forever, and Jesus does not either. 
You don't have to be chained with those shackles. He can let you go. You got some junk in your life you're embarrassed about and the sins or secrets you've held on so long. And if you ever work through them, you're like, I can't imagine my life without this. Man, I'm saying Jesus knows. He can cleanse you. And one of the things, this is for me maybe, the thing that struggles as much for me is, is the thing that I got to let go of in many cases is the idea of how my story was supposed to go. Ooh, that's a big one for me. I'm like, Lord, it wasn't supposed to be like this. You ever said that to God? Damn, it wasn't supposed to be like this. It's not supposed to be like this. As if we know what's supposed to be. And we say, ah, oh, well, if, I, if only I hadn't messed this up or if only this other person hadn't messed it up for me. And we torture ourselves with the realities of what we think should have been. There's a problem with that. We can get to the point where we're so bitter over what was supposed to have been that bitterness is the only fuel that we can run on. You don't want that. I know people like that. I've come close to being a person like that a few times where bitterness is the only fuel that will light your fire, and that is poison. Come to Jesus with your disappointments and your failures and release them at his feet. Watch what he can build with what you give him. You say, oh, well, it got broken. What is a mosaic, a beautiful mosaic? It's broken glass. Give him your pile of brokenness and watch what he can do. We use things like this. These things we hold on to, there are, there are coping strategies so much of the time. It's the coat that we're camping under. But do you really want to have that as your life? That you're living by the side of a road camping under a coat? Understand, that's what we do when we, when we choose these things as our shelter. These things that I've been talking about and more... So take these things to Jesus, addiction, anxiety, fear, doubt, pride, disappointment, unforgiveness, and more. These things are not propping us up like we think they are. They're holding us down. So yeah, Bartimaeus, he, he let go of the one thing he counted on most to sustain him. But he was running towards someone who could sustain him so much better. He, he let go of a good thing to have something better there's freedom in letting go so let's kind of finish this up verse 51 um jesus answered and said to him what do you want me to do for you and the blind man said to it said to him rabboni that i may receive my sight rabboni is same as rabbi means teacher so jesus already knows the answer but he asks anyway because he wants to give bartimaeus the opportunity to demonstrate faith and jesus jesus knows what we have need of before we ask him but he still tells us to to ask because it teaches us faith and uh, Bartimaeus, he has faith here. So verse 52, Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He got his miracle. Miracles can happen when you learn to let go. Jesus said Bartimaeus' faith made him well. We see the truth many times in the scriptures that Jesus heals or helps according to faith. Now, there are some times when we pray in faith and we don't receive the things that we expect that does not mean god's not active it doesn't mean he doesn't care it means we don't know the whole story yet the scriptures do show us that god has good things in mind for us that he's ready to give if we can only demonstrate faith and i've asked myself many times what blessings have i pushed away because i wouldn't trust him for it so we're never told that bartimaeus went back to get his coat we're told that he followed Jesus down the road. His coat may still be laying there under piles of rubble in Jericho for all I know. I don't know. 
he, he didn't have his coat anymore, but he had something better. He had miracles, two miracles. First was the miracle of restoring his sight, but that's not the best miracle. The greater miracle was the transformation that came over him. He's following Jesus now. He's got a new life now. Okay. The phrase let go and let God has been used so often that we can kind of miss the meaning, but it, there's truth there to let go and let God. Sometimes that's all we can do is let go of what we think is going to sustain us and let God do what only he can do. There's freedom in letting go. So what is it that you need to let go of? What is holding you back from trusting? Let it go, even if you've been counting on it more than anything else. Now, this isn't like permission to, to let go of some family member. That's, that's not really what I'm saying. But what is it you've been counting on that you need to let go of? Because it isn't God. All these blessings that you have, I hope you have many, they're not the same as holding on to God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, teach us to let go of what we've been holding on to in place of you, even if it's a good thing. Almighty God, we love you and we praise you and ask that you'll work in our hearts and lives. Lord, we want to lift up to you once more Donna Easter, whom we love and pray for a good surgery there, good outcomes there. And Lord, I, I pray for the coming weeks for Recreate as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we, we celebrate our sixth anniversary, that your hand would be on us, that we prepare in a mighty way, and that you are glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, thank you for being a part of this today. Remember, next week's the Lord's Supper. Um, some of you have uh, expressed an interest in helping with that. Stick around and let's talk about that. And then the 22nd, are we meeting here on the 22nd? We're meeting over behind the Carter Building at the new at the new uh, Farmers Market Pavilion thingy. So uh, make plans for that and tell other people who weren't here who need to know. Okay, all right. God bless y'all. That's all I got. See you next time.